Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good morning. Welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It is the secret shame of a nation, something that should not be happening in 2018. It's something you see on the streets of every city, however, in this country. And we're talking about the scourge of homelessness. A new report says that more than 440 homeless people have died on our streets or in temporary accommodation in the past year. Many of them are veterans of our armed forces. Some are just down on their luck or suffering from mental health problems. And for a crucial number of those living on the streets, it could all be so different. If only there was housing available, if only there was affordable housing available, and if only rents were not quite so high. How can we, as a society, allow this to continue at all? 0344 499 Dawn Neeson is here, and I'll be asking her whether she could ever forgive a partner for cheating on her. And why do we have to see this latest Strictly scandal played out so openly in public? I have to say, I don't really have sympathy with any of the players in this particular act. 0344 499 Coming up a little bit later on, we'll also be finding out whether it's worth getting this year's super flu jab, or if it won't actually do you any good, like many of them don't. We'll be getting medical advice for you on that. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Dawn Neeson on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Very good morning to you, Ms. Neeson. Very nice to see you. Morning, Looking Mike. very uh, sharp and bright and, and perky this morning. It's called makeup. Is it? Okay. <laughs> I should it. try it some helps. of that stuff. It yeah, helps. absolutely right. I must admit, on the very few occasions that they allow me on television, uh-huh. uh, I always quite enjoy getting the makeup, getting the makeup put makeup on. And, uh, and also, um, yeah, I never have it taken yeah. off. No, yeah. I, I wear it for the rest of the day. Men should be allowed to wear makeup. Not a problem. Well, with I it. think many of them do now, um, yeah. and that's maybe why some of them look a lot better than I do. <laughs> so it's a very unfair <laughs> and, and skewed scenario. Now we'll talk a lot about the whole snogging scenario. Snogging. coming up a bit later. That's snogging, such an snogging. Word, That's what works. I've just been told. I, I didn't realise it was an old-fashioned no, word I didn't. Uh, yeah. until today, um, because what he was definitely caught doing was, was snogging. snogging. But I'm not that comfortable either with this whole kind of let's put out a message on Twitter, let's publicise the breakup of our relationship. I've taken the cat. I'm not a victim, and all these other Mike, you know showbiz what, stars backing now. each other and you know telling them yeah. how brave yeah, they are. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm we're going to talk. We're going to talk this morning about some properly brave people. People. Yes who we have are. fought Absolutely. for this country, yep. people who have been in post-traumatic stress for some years, yep. people who have come back out of the armed forces and found themselves on hard times, have found themselves on the streets of this country. A shocking report has come out and come to my attention this morning uh, in which it says that 440 plus homeless people have died yeah. on the streets of this country in, a year. in the past year. Now mm. that to me is an absolutely shocking and ghastly statistic, mm. isn't it? But we, we don't actually quantify this. No one actually properly counts it. This is one investigation mm. done by one sort of like it's a, it's a journalist, uh, a journalism company. Yeah. But they've done it, but there aren't any statistics. No one is actually looking into this properly. Yeah. 
which I find appalling. And I think it was like, it's gone up, it's almost doubled. Yes. The last time anyone actually did look into it properly was like 2013. And it was that sort of like less than 200. And now we're up to 440. Yeah, it's an incredible uh, thing. And apparently a former soldier, an astrophysicist and a big issue seller are among the hundreds who died since October 2017. They were found dead in shop doorways, in hostels, in camping tents, in woodland sometimes. Many of them lying dead for months before their bodies were discovered. I find that the saddest bit, that they were just lying there on their own and then they died and no one knew or cared. Yeah, because most of us are familiar in cities with people sleeping uh, in in boxes Mm. and under the arches at Charing Cross. I've got a a note from Jim here who says, we've been to Manchester lately. There's an awful lot of uh, homeless people there, more than there Mm. ever have been. Many of them very young people as well. But what he don't know, I suppose, is the rural homeless, because there are... You know, hundreds of thousands of acres of land in this yes. country where you could probably sleep in a tent and nobody would even know you it's were there. Because nobody nobody really seems to care, do they? No. I know there are brilliant charities out there doing as much as they possibly can. But really we, we don't we don't really sort of like count how many homeless we have in this country or even look into the reasons they are homeless. I mean we know a lot of them have issues with drug and alcohol and things like that, but why have they got those issues in the first place? Yeah, well, I think, you know, there's an awful lot of things wrong uh, with people who become homeless. You know, there's no doubt about that. Of course. And in many cases, a lot of it is self-inflicted and there's no point in shirking from that either. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be helping these people and we shouldn't be helping them to find accommodation no, to stay in. Uh, apparently, the, 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 the cost of, of finding accommodation is one of the problems and one of the reasons. I mean, many people are, are told um, month after month that basically we are one month's paycheck away from being homeless. Well, a lot yeah, of people much, are absolutely. in that situation. Yeah. And if you're renting accommodation and you can't pay your next yeah. month's rent, that's it sometimes. Yeah. You're out on your ear. You know, a, a lot of us, I mean, it is there, but for the grace of God, go an awful lot of us, I really think. But the one, the, I know we had this agreement, a disagreement about Donald Trump the other week, but yeah. I think the one area that America does get things right is it, it looks after its veterans. Yes, absolutely. I mean, and we don't And they treat country. them with great respect. Yes. And not only that, but whenever they go anywhere, yeah. they're given discounts. Yeah. They're given discounts to stay in hotels. They're given discounts. They are uh, freely available to walk yeah. around in their uniforms. It's a very different culture. But let's talk now to Trevor Colt, MC, founder for Our Veterans. Uh, we spoke to him a little while ago uh, about one particular individual, an army veteran who was homeless. Uh, and we're going to get some more information from Trevor right now. Trevor, very good morning to you. Welcome back. Good morning. Thanks for having me again. No, thanks indeed for joining us once more. I mean, these statistics obviously are not broken down in the sense that we don't know precisely how many of this 440-plus uh, number uh, might be veterans, but you can probably guess that at least a quarter, maybe even a third, would be. Well, um, the reason why we don't have the figures is because uh, the truth of the matter is we don't want to have the figures because then if we do get the exact figures of what the homelessness is with the veterans and how many people die each year, it would make the government have to spend money. So we have to remember, this is not about homelessness. This is always about saving money. Uh, a life is just a life as far as the government's concerned. They pretend to care. Um, to be quite honest, I work or I get a lot of, a lot of advice Whenever I come across a homeless veteran, uh, which was a couple of days ago, actually, I get a lot of my advice from a guy called David Wood. Yeah. David Wood is a volunteer who works for a charity called Help for Homeless Veterans. Now, David himself has helped house 130 veterans himself. Uh, most of these veterans were homeless be- uh, through other actions, whether it be mental health, whether it be uh, what happened in the military, not being able to find work or employment. Uh, families have broken down. So... Um, it was just a couple of days ago that David Wood came across a Royal Engineer, his wife and two kids, all living on the street. Mm. And that was only a couple of days ago. Now, David got in touch and uh, explained, and 
We managed to get the, well, not me personally, but David and his charity managed to get that family housed. The mm. council should house them. A lot of councils don't understand the rules. They don't understand legislation. And half the time, the issues we have with veterans is when a veteran goes to, who spent 20 years in the military, when he goes to leave, he applies for a council house in an area where he wants to live. Now, nine times out of ten, those councils reply, oh, we'll get you on the waiting list. And every Thursday, properties become available and you bid for them. Mm. However, what the issue is, is when that when they're now veterans and they bid for properties, the council will come back and say, well, we were going to give you that, but you have no connections to that area, so we're going to leave it for somebody else. So the councils need to kick up the backside. This is what happened in Hereford as well with Bob Curry. Councils aren't doing their job. And it's people like David Wood who go out there and actually go into the councils and say, listen, this is a legislation, this is a European legislation, you have a duty of care to house these vulnerable people. And then once they learn about what they have to do, they then usually step up to the plate. But it's, they need educated massively. They really do. And I mean, it's, it's a massive educational prospect that you have to get involved in, don't you? But what can ordinary people do? Can they, you know, because people walk past homelessness every single day. Some people care more about it than others. Some people will give money to charities and that kind of thing. But what well, can, yes, you, is yeah. there anything that, because we, it seems to me we, like we, we sometimes look at these issues and we don't do anything different. Is there something different that yeah. we could do? Yes, yes. There's always something that we could do to improve things. Now, as well as that, as a member of the public, walked past uh, a couple of days ago, I came across a homeless veteran in, it was just outside the M&G Investment Bank in London. Now, they have a turnover of billions. Yeah. And if, when you stand outside the M&G Investment Bank in London and you look up that street, there's a homeless veteran on the right-hand side. I uh, had a word with the guys that I work with, that I do volunteer work with, and uh, we got him in the B&B uh, just for the weekend and paid for his food. But that's just one simple thing. Now, this is a guy sleeping homeless outside one of the richest places in London. And it's a shame that all these, all these guys on six-figure sums are walking up and down that street into that investment bank. Mm. So, first of all, uh, it's not, it doesn't look good in the energy investments. And second of all, whenever we walk across someone in, in any city that's homeless, we think twice because are they homeless or are they just there to make money? So we have that thing in our head now where we, we don't want to give in case we're given to the wrong sort. Right. Mm. So if you do want to help uh, people that are homeless, right, and and I mean this with a passion, you need to get people to stop donating their money to the big charities because the big charities are used as a business. If you want to help homeless people, whether they're veterans or whether they're ordinary people, get down to the Salvation Army. Donate your money to the Salvation Army. Donate your money to soldiers off the street or donate your money to the small charities like help for homeless veterans because they are making a huge difference yeah. with no basically with no funds. Um, it doesn't cost much to house a homeless veteran. You just need to learn the legislation. If you learn the legislation, it doesn't cost charities money. So, I don't but know say why for example, you're able to find a home for a homeless veteran uh, or indeed a homeless person of any description. Once you put them into that home. Is it then more hard for them to keep that home or is it more? Uh, is it easier for them to lose it? I mean, how does that work? Well, it depends where you go to. If you go to the big charities, they'll get them in the home, they'll leave them there and just ignore it. If you go to charities that help for homeless veterans, which, by the way, I'm not a member of, yeah. then I, I, I get a lot of advice from him for guys that I need housed. If you go to help the homeless veterans, not only do they get them housed, they have a follow-up procedure. They'll, uh, David himself has 130 people who he checks up on each month. Uh, he checks, are they in? They will follow them up to see if they get employment. 
Do they get their benefits? Do they get their uh, personal independent payment? Do they get their employment support loan? So this charity isn't just a little charity that gets people off the street. It's a charity that has a follow-up procedure to keep an eye on those people. And I that's think, I think that's such an important point, Trevor, because you can get them in a home and, and sort of like, but you need to do follow-up care. You need to look after yeah. the issues that have caused them to be homeless mm. in the first place. And I think this is where yeah. we, we just, when people have served, you know, with the armed forces in this country, we just seem to forget about them once they're finished. And, that, and, and that's basically down to, uh, uh, that's not down to the army. You know, the army uh, gets a bit of a bad name for that. It's not the army itself. We must remember that the Ministry of Defence are a separate entity and they, they employ Veterans UK, which are mostly civil servants, to keep an eye on what we do when we leave. But the issue you've got with Veterans UK is whenever a soldier becomes a veteran and inquires to Veterans UK, they've got self-interest because Veterans UK are actually the MOD. So we're going into the MOD and asking for a claim against the MOD. And no wonder it takes us five, ten years right, to get something yeah. sorted. Yeah. So we need to have an independent an independent company which actually looks after veterans and they don't have to go to the MOD for help because the MOD won't help anyone. No, quite. I mean, I saw, I was down in Whitehall recently, Trevor, and I saw a kind of a little community of homeless veterans behind a little yeah. fence. I don't know whether you know about that, but it looked yeah. to me, it looked to me as though they'd set themselves up there as a kind of a reminder, if you like, to government that they need help. And, and there were people, maybe half a dozen people sitting there chatting. There's obviously sleeping bags. There's people obviously spending the night there. How long has that been there for? Uh, that's been there for a couple of years, actually. Has it? Uh, wow. Yeah, uh, we actually have... Yeah, it, it's sad, but if you sit down and speak to the guys, uh, there's a sergeant major, I can't mention his unit, but there's a sergeant major there, there's a couple of senior NCOs there, uh, they've all struggled with mental health, they sit there, and if you did, sorry, if you did look at them, there's no alcohol there, they don't right. drink alcohol, uh, and you know what? They don't even buy cigarettes. There's one on there that does smoke, who does roll-ups, but uh, I've been there and I've spoken to them in the past, and you know, they put yourself right outside Whitehall. It's sad. Now, considering uh, during the year there, I had a homeless veteran living outside the headquarters in Andover. You know what I mean? And I mean, I, well, I, presumably, presumably they'll be there for the cenotaph uh, celebrations, commemorations come a yeah. uh, hundred years of the First World War. Will they be moved on on that day? Uh, do you know what? They probably will be moved on, whether it be buyers put down. That's How ironic is that? Yeah, they shouldn't be able to How ironic is that? You know, you move the former soldiers away from a commemoration of soldiers who mm. died. Exactly. And, and and that's where our country has failed a bit. And do you know what? I heard, uh, I listened earlier on about you talking about uh, the President of the United States, because that's what I'll call him, because that's what his title is. Yeah. But uh, I speak to uh, Matthew Marsden, uh, who used to be in Carnison Street. He's now based in LA. He's done a lot of movies out there. And we speak most nights on WhatsApp. And he's now involved heavily with the veterans in the United States. And he does a lot for them. In fact, he employs veterans only in his movies to give them a bit more, you know, right. to, to get back. And uh, uh, they are doing a lot over there. I, I know they'll always have this controversy to do with women, to do with the racists. But uh, I tell you what, as far as I'm concerned, uh, and I speak to Rob O'Neill, who is the guy who uh, allegedly uh, killed Bin Laden, uh, these guys uh, have a lot of respect for their president because he does look after veterans. And... Uh, he looks after their first responders, where we don't over here. Mm. Uh, we don't. We, we, we tend to toss them aside. And I have spoke to Anne-Marie Trevelyan, who's a great supporter of armed forces down in Parliament, and we need to get policies changed at Veterans UK. Unless we can change a couple of policies at Veterans UK, uh, which will lose uh, the MOD a few pounds each year, but not much, uh, it would improve veterans' welfare. Mm. And until you improve veterans' welfare... You'll never improve your recruiting. What What is the single most important thing that they can do for them, Trevor? 
Well, uh, when you look at mental health, mental health can come in numerous different ways, whether it be anxiety, depression, PTSD. It's never looked that properly. So whenever a veteran is suffering, rather than go and get an MRI scan or go and find out what exactly is wrong with that brain, the military doctors tend to just tick a box and say he's got PTSD, whether or not you don't or you do. But they label you with PTSD. And the minute they label you with PTSD, you will be discharged. When you are discharged from the armed forces, uh, the laid down package is you will get a £6,000 lump sum and you get an interim of two years, which means you can't contest it for two years. But what they forget about is they've, you've just lost your job for two years, so basically they've saved about £70,000 or £80,000 on your wages. And if you're living in a married quarter, you lose your home. So you lose your home and your job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, if your wife is working, your wife will have to lose her job to become your full-time carer. So that's two wages you've lost in a house. Mm-hmm. Now, you've just been given £6,000 and you can't contest it for two years. So the first thing you have to do is wrap £6,000. You have to go and look for a property. Mm. Uh, you will go on the different council list to try and get a property. You may not be suited to the areas. You may not have any connection. You will struggle whenever you get your 28-day notice from the Secretary of State saying, if you're not out of our house in 28 days, you're going to be evicted and you'll be put into uh, shared accommodation or sheltered accommodation. So you panic and you go into the private market. So now this is now, I'm only reading from what I know because this is what I did. Uh, you then go into the private market and you have to rent the property. Your £6,000 is gone with putting down a deposit, uh, paying your rent, maybe getting furniture to fit the house, and then you've got to spend the next two years applying to uh, benefits to get your PIP, to get your ESA, and then you have to apply for compensation for PTSD. Now, see the minute you apply for compensation for PTSD, the letter you will get back from the MOD will say, can you prove your PTSD was down to service life? Now, that's the letter they send you back after discharging you for PTSD. Yeah. yeah, but it's two years. It's nonsense, between, isn't it? So Absolute like, nonsense. Yeah, Listen, yeah. Trevor, as ever, really Thank appreciate you, your time. Thank you, Trevor Colt, MC, founder of Four Hour <sighs> Veterans. He says, uh, stop giving money uh, just to beggars on the street because they may not be properly homeless people. Do give money, however, to the Salvation Army. And do tell your local authority uh, to make it more clear what these people have to do to get themselves off the street. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Dawn Neeson is here with me. We're here till one o'clock when it's time for Matthew Wright, of course, joined by Kevin O'Sullivan today. Loads more to talk about throughout the course of this show. Um, this hour, though, we're going to be getting into cheating uh, and we're going to get into snogging uh, and we're going to get into all manner uh, of social mores and do's and don'ts of relationships. And that's just me and Dawn. I'm... Um, Get a point out that I'm not slogging you, though. That's fine. In the interest of research, that that's is not fine. happening. There's no need to do that. No. Absolutely none, no need at all. 0344-499-1000. We are going to talk to Annabelle Knight, though, who's a relationship expert, because, of course, uh, what we're seeing today is sort of day three of the Strictly shenanigans in which the uh, girlfriend of the bloke who's in Strictly, who was seen snogging his a new dance partner, has now kicked him out of the house. She's left the house and said that they're no longer a couple, uh, and she's saying that he called her a psycho uh, when she accused him of cheating, uh, yeah, which it, apparently is commonly known as gaslighting. Gas, I've never heard of that. So we're going to try and uh, find out what that's all about yeah. and what on earth is going on. Why people also want to do all this in public is beyond me. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Dawn Neeson on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So the story so far, um, correct me if I'm wrong. It once broke, upon a time. Once upon a time, uh, the Sun on Sunday splashed a story in which it was clear uh, that uh, one of the stars of Strictly, who is also, quotes, a comedian. A comedian called Sean Walsh. Sean was, Walsh, who, to be honest, I'd never heard of. No. But apparently he's quite well known he's, in certain uh, parts. He's very, very funny in, in his own head, evidently. Yes. But he is teamed up with a professional dancer on Strictly Come Dance yeah, called, called Katia. Katia Jones. And she's Russian, I believe. She is, and she's also married. Yes. Now, mm. Obviously, the curse of Strictly, as everybody knows, involves sort of like people's relationships breaking up when they go on this show because they end up with the dance of their pair. Yes. So, and this, even your mate Jeremy Vine uh, has been saying Jeremy, that he felt what he regarded as unexplained feelings. Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, you know Jeremy, right? I'll help him out if he wishes to know what those unexplained feelings uh, are. I would be slightly worried if I was Mrs. Vine, and I was a bit surprised Jeremy said that. But, yeah. however, mm. but, absolutely. So, any case. So they went out for a work drink, yes. like you do. Like you colleagues. do, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And we have we have been there, haven't we? We've you and I this. have been out for a work yeah. drink, but you've never danced in front of me, I to be never. fair. No, you really wouldn't want to see that. And oh, you certainly wouldn't want to snog like that. me either. Any case, well, so they got that. drunk in the pub yeah. and they ended up snogging. They only had one drink, they said, didn't they? Well, I don't know. Oh. I haven't read that bit. That's one well, drink. Well, he said what, they were going out. Size. He said they were going out for one drink. That's what, what he, he told his girlfriend. He told his girlfriend, who he lives with, and they have been together Rebecca for a long Humphreys, time. Who's Rebecca Humphreys, who's an actress, who I also have never heard of. Yes, but he told the missus basically that he was going out for one drink yeah. with a work colleague. Yes. The next thing she and and worse, it was her birthday. It was. Rebecca's at home on her birthday. So, any case, um, Sean goes out with his work colleague. They end up getting very drunk on that one drink yeah. and snogging in an alleyway. Yes. And this was proper snogging. This wasn't a peck on the cheek. This was proper yeah tongue. full on can yeah. i say tongues oh, if you like too late now any case so uh, rebecca then phones him up and says where are you it's my birthday come home and he gaslights her yes mm, millennial speak no i believe so yes uh, which basically means he implied that she was a psycho witch and she should stop stalking him and she was the one going mad because there was nothing going on yeah and then she picks up the sun the next day and now, sees. Now let's what's let's going just inter- before we get to Annabelle Knight, who's waiting very patiently to talk to us. Let's just interject with lots of people because one of the things that happens nowadays in a world in which we live is that social media then owns the story, right? Exactly. So in the old days, you used to talk about newspapers owning stories or individuals yeah. owning stories. Mm-hmm. Now it's social media that owns it. People decide to take sides. Yes. Okay. People were making out many of them, and Dan Wooten from the Sun, uh, who's on Talk Radio as well, was saying he got a lot of flat yesterday for suggesting this was very serious because a lot of people went. 
oh no, they're just having a little friendly snog, a little friendly kiss. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in it. He said himself, I think, Sean, didn't he, that this was just, you know, a mistake. It was was a a one-off. Just a one-off and all that. Anyway, it turns out uh, that she, the girlfriend, has now decided to dump him uh, and written a very, very long sort of uh, turgid uh, reasoning for that in which it starts out with this sentence. Hello there, my name is Rebecca Humphreys and I am not a victim. Well, Well, I'm sorry, Rebecca, I didn't say you were. I didn't think she was. I mean, that was, you know, if I was writing something about my other half and he'd just been snogging some random bird in an alleyway, I would not start off with, hello there, my name is Rebecca Humphreys, I am not a victim. I'll be wearing certain parts of his anatomy for my earrings, yeah. to be honest you with you. You might say, hello, my name is Rebecca Humphreys, and my ex-boyfriend, is Sean, a complete... is a complete twonk. Yes, twonk. Words to that Twonk's effect. a good word. Let's talk to Annabelle Knight and find out whether anything we've said makes any sense to her. Annabelle, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Hi, Annabelle. I'm sorry for the slightly uh, extended introduction there, but basically uh, we wanted to just sort of spread the story out tell there the story. and tell everybody what was really the history of where where we were before we got to this point. But what the question I suppose I have for you, Annabelle, is gaslighting. Um, are we right about that? Is that what's going on here? Uh, it would appear so from Rebecca's words. Gaslighting, for anyone who isn't familiar with the term, is where one partner convinces the other that their suspicions or the way they're behaving is unacceptable in this case. Sean has apparently called her a psycho and nuts and crazy. They're very common words uh, associated with the term gaslighting. Um, And it makes you doubt your own sanity. So if you ever found yourself in a relationship where you've got a gut feeling about one thing, but your partner protests and makes you feel silly or crazy or completely out of line for even suggesting it, then that is gaslighting in Mm. essence. And where does that come from, that phrase? I think it's just a phrase that has evolved with um, social media and, and I dread the word millennials. Actually, I do know where it comes from because I looked into it. Oh, yeah. Doing my research. Well done. It's not like this show. It's from a 1938 play. Right. That involves this sort of like, it's termed gaslighting in this play. Yeah. The fact that you're you're throwing shade at somebody implying that they're a bit bonkers because they're accusing you of something. And is that a common theme, Annabelle? Does it happen a lot? Gaslighting tends to be um, tends to occur in relationships when they're either new or the person you're in a relationship is of a particular personality type, uh, of a controlling nature. Uh, it's it's a form of physical, uh, like psychological manipulation. Mm, right. Um, and the whole the whole reason they do it is to to make you sow seeds of doubt, so that you feel uh, an allegiance towards that person you feel bad for thinking those things to that person how could you do that and and it puts you in a in a lower stamp it's almost like a stockholm syndrome type thing isn't it but it is taken yeah, seriously emotional stockholm syndrome. yeah it is it's taken seriously by domestic violence charities. but the thing is i mean rebecca's relationship with sean appears to have been like this in any case before this episode of snogging um, so, you know, the they've fact been that, together five years, though. Exactly. That's and quite a long time. Yeah, but she did say that he's been treating me like this for a while and sort of like, you know, so this was the the, the final straw, basically. But he doesn't sound like yeah, he's a very nice person. Mm. It's not uncommon at all. I mean, gaslighting has, with lots of um, things in life, varying degrees of severity. It could be something as little in everyday life that you, you are prepared to let go and it something as great as in this case trying to make your spouse or your other half doubt their mental sanity um and she was just proven to be so right all along so she do you think she's done the right thing 
Absolutely. I, I, I cannot abide cheating or betrayal in, in any way. My whole career is designed to help people stay in love. Uh, and cheating and being unfaithful really puts the spanner in the works. We call them EMAs, extramarital affairs, but they do apply to whether you're married or civil partnered or just cohabiting or just have a partner. But isn't it interesting, though, that the way that the, the sort of social media, like I was saying, which owns these stories now because everything's done in the open air. I mean, surely if you were advising somebody like Rebecca Humphreys, you wouldn't advise her to make all of this so public, would you? I think everyone deals with things in very different ways. And obviously right now, Rebecca is extremely hurt, humiliated, embarrassed and feeling a, a whole host of emotions that are probably the driving force behind her decisions. I, don't, I think had she chosen to take a step back and maybe give it a week before she put anything out into, into the social media realm, she may have done it in a different way. But you can only act on the here and now, and I think that's definitely what Rebecca has done. I mean, she was supporting him in the studio. She'd go and watch him. She was there, She I was think, tweeting very enthusiastically night. about Absolutely. them together and, uh, on a Saturday. This, this statement is incredibly well put together and, 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 and crafted. I mean, considering how I'd be feeling, it would be like, you know, typing like Fury and using all the wrong names. And she's a very <laughs> organised young lady by the sounds of it. And she's kept the cat, so what's not to like? Yeah, exactly. Nobody's I mean, asked the cat, though. The <laughs> I mean, nobody's asked the cat who he'd prefer to be with, so, I mean, it could be a custody cat scenario going on. <laughs> cat custody battles. Yeah. That's the next thing, strictly drama. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry for laughing at the whole situation, and I'm sure that you would say to me that that's a little bit insensitive, but I'm afraid if you put yourself out there in the public eye and you decide that you want to conduct yourselves in the public eye, then the public have a right to judge you. And as I say, I mean, yeah, for either one of these people, they're now far more famous than they ever used to be. Uh, it may well be that, that for him, uh, he ends up being more the, the victim than she does because she's getting all the support from, mm. from everybody else who says that he's an absolute swine and a horrible man and all the rest of it. So, you know, so it's all going to be reversed, isn't it, in time? I think it depends entirely on, on how this plays out. I think the best thing we can do for Sean Walsh is forget the name Sean Walsh and uh, if he wants to continue conducting himself in that way he can do it out of the realms of the but public he's, eye he's going to be on telly again on well Saturday yeah but night, he's on telly it? on one of the biggest shows yeah. of all time on Saturday well, night prime Dan time Whitten was calling for him to step down from Strictly out of respect for his that's relationship that's ridiculous that is completely um, ridiculous isn't it I think that if he want, if he values his relationship and wants to try and salvage or save it he should step away from the person he has committed. I'm, I'm thinking he uh, more values his career. <laughs> well, I mean, I would, I would suggest... Hand, he values his career more than he, mm. he'll, of course, stay on our tellies every Saturday. Well, he obviously doesn't want to be with Rebecca, otherwise he presumably wouldn't have been snogging the other woman. Yeah. So, I mean, why would he bother trying to save the relationship? I think this was a classic case of having his cake and eating it. So, if without all the gaslighting and the fact that obviously relationship wasn't on very good grounds in any case, I mean, a drunken snog, is it ever forgivable? Well, I think we have to look at the context in which the kiss happened. Uh, there was deception and betrayal leading up to that. There was, of course, the gaslighting and the language of, you're crazy, you're not, uh, you're a psycho. We've only got her word for that, of course, haven't we? We have, uh, but I'm, I'm kind of looking at what has been presented to me uh, from like the social media stance because that's all I really have to go on. That's what I mean. But, I mean, if, if, if she was making that up, we would never know, would we? Uh, I guess we wouldn't, but I would, I would, it wouldn't trouble me if someone were to, to 
fabricate that, but uh, it would People be do, where though. my mind would go. Mm. People do, though. I mean, you must admit that. You must have seen that kind of a situation, Annabelle. Yeah, I mean, in my line of work, I can't. You have. I can't just read, you know, one statement on Twitter and then judge the entire no. relationship. But what I, what I do have to do is take what people say as the truth. Otherwise, you you end up chasing rabbit holes that sure. um, no, I get that. You know, can lead to nowhere. But what I am saying is that, you know, given what we what we know about these two, both of them considerably more famous now than they were. Um, both of them perhaps will benefit from being away from each other. Um, and at the end of the day, the only person we haven't yet heard from is Katia Jones's husband. I'm not quite sure why he's being so quiet or or what what he's thinking. No, I was extremely surprised when I heard you say that she's married because I did I didn't know that. I don't know yes. anything about her. And he also um, works on the show. Yes. So that'd be interesting. Come Saturday, he's a dancer, I think, isn't he? Yep, they're both dancers. Oh my word! What a tangled web they were. Well, indeed, exactly. exactly right. Maybe there's a, a spin-off <laughs> uh, entertainment series yeah. in, in this. But just with um, the three of them. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, definitely not Rebecca now. I do think, though, it's, it's an incredibly sad thing to happen, but it's not uncommon. And with it having happened to these two people who have then put it out into the social media realm um, so succinctly and so quickly, mm. it definitely highlights a, a, an element of society that is ever-present, but we don't really talk about it. We all know someone it's happened to, but it never gets discussed. So I think, if anything, this is just bringing the spotlight onto gaslighting behaviour and inappropriate conduct. And, and maybe it will serve as a yardstick for for the generations to come. Well, what I find interesting as well is all the people, including Jeremy Vine that we talked about, uh, who have been on Strictly, have all said, you know, that it's put a strain on their relationships when they've got into Strictly because whatever you may say about dancers, they are very well honed physically as people. You know, it's quite a sexy thing you're doing with somebody and it's outside of your regular relationship. So it's actually, I mean, people talk about the curse of Strictly, but it is actually a very kind of temptation-filled arena, isn't it? And if you were, for example, if you were to go home tonight to your other half and they said, you know, I'm thinking of taking up tango dancing down at the local dancing club, you'd have to be very careful about saying yes. Especially if the tango lessons were seven hours a day, six days a week. Well, exactly. Well, this is what Arlene Phillips has said, and she was used to be one of the, one of the judges, I think. She's an expert, obviously a dancer, an expert. And she has said, um, is it surprising that relationship can develop on the dance floor when you are in such close proximity with some of the opposite sex for 50-plus hours a week? Well, I mean, lots of people work with each other for 50-plus hours a week, but we're not all drunkenly snogging them, are we? No, well, not in this case. She has, a point, <laughs> she has a point with the proximity. Um, if you are, and, and dancing, of course, is extremely sensual. It's sexy. It's the precursor to romance for a lot of people, and it's apparently a good way to measure how good in bed your that potential person is. Oh, that says everything. So if you are <laughs> <for that>. hip <laughs> to hip, side to thigh, and chest to chest with someone for those fifty plus hours. In an environment that's designed to be fun because they film it all constantly and they want good telly, they want people laughing and smiling and having a great time, it is no wonder that, you know, relationships do happen. But what we have got to remember is that we all have a moral compass just because you are hip to hip, side to side, and chest to chest exactly. for 50 plus hours a week doesn't give you the green light. And I also think this term, the strictly curse, is almost giving people who go on Strictly the green light. Yeah. Well, I couldn't help it. It's out of my control. Mm. You've heard of the Strictly mm. curse. 
And I, I think we have to take some responsibility for our own actions here. Oh, I, agree. I couldn't agree Just more. But, but on the other hand, Anna, it does happen to quite a lot of them. It doesn't happen to all of them, thereby some of them showing that they do have a moral compass and they can resist temptation, but not everybody can. That's the point. And that's why so many people have affairs at work. It's why so many people end up falling in love with people at work, because that's where you spend most of your time. If you, if you are on Strictly Come Dancing or, or not, and you are finding yourself developing feelings for someone else that isn't your other half, that isn't the person that you have committed your life to, yeah. you owe it to that person to at least have the conversation before it becomes a betrayal so large that you can't bounce exactly. back Exactly. And plus there has to be something wrong with that relationship for you to even be thinking along those lines about a work. So you're, what you're saying then is, Annabelle, if I start having feelings for Dawn, right, I should go back <laughs> not to... Not hatred, Mike. I not should, hatred. yeah. Hate, does that not count? <laughs> no. Um, if I start having feelings for Dawn, right, I should go home and I should explain to the mother of my children that basically I've got feelings for somebody at work. Uh, what do you think I should do about that? Or you can identify with yourself that you are having feelings that mm. perhaps you shouldn't have and then have the conversation within the couple, within the partnership, as to not necessarily why that is, because I don't believe that straight away you have to kind of... I don't think um, it would go well. ...have that conversation. <laughs> I can't you imagine even beginning that conversation. If you, if you can self-analyse and if you can take a step back and say, OK, I'm feeling this, but there is a route to that, to that because most affairs, most kind of extracurricular activity happens when you are not happy because you're seeking happiness exactly. elsewhere. If you can yep. turn that spotlight back on yourself and redirect the conversation and come up with, you know, a plan together on how you're going to attain satisfaction from your relationship, then you're just going to have a stronger relationship for it. And you're going to be so satisfied at the fact that you stuck at it and you worked at it and you worked through it. Affairs can save marriages, and who knows, these two might get back together once they've gone through all I this. Very much doubt Their it. careers have both taken off, and it could all be I'd be amazed at any affair that saves any marriage. But that's uh, great. Thank you, Annabelle Thank uh, you, Knight, Annabelle. a relationship expert there with some good advice for anybody who's got what can only be described as unexplained feeling for somebody else. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. You can tweet us at Talk Radio. You can talk, uh, text us as well to uh, 87222. Text the word talk. Uh, Jim says this. Interested to hear MG's colleague describe some bloke from Strictly Whatever as well fit. Fair enough, but does that entitle me to make similar comments on any female I spot on TV? Well, Jim, it's a free country. You can do whatever you like, mate. He can call me well fit if he wants. If he wants I'm to. Not going to be There's nothing to wrong that with one. that. No. Not. People do feel as though they're somehow restricted from things that they can't say anymore. But actually, just say them and so see what happens. Want. That is really not offensive. Calling someone well fit is not offensive. I don't think so. No. I know you've never called me that. You've never called me that, though, have well, you? The, the reason is because you're not well fit. But there's a man who is well fit, and Yay. his name is George Coltold. He is here. Uh, George, a very good afternoon. Good morning to you, I Good morning, say. Mike. Now, Hello. you have written a diet book. You're not the sort of guy that normally would, I would expect to come in with a diet book because, you know, most people who write diet books are well usually fit. well fit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, well said, fit. you see. Uh, no, but he, no, but you look great. You look in very good shape. And you've said in this book that uh, it's a story of three men uh, who were sort of bon viveurs, if you like, uh, and wanted to uh, enjoy their joie de vivre, didn't want to lose the food and drink aspect of their lives, but yet you still managed to lose it. Now, this is very interesting to me because, as you may have guessed, I'm also somebody who quite likes to drink and, and the food aspects of life. Um, and if I could lose three stone without stopping any of that, that would be tremendous. Well, Mike, you know, food and drink are part of normal social life. Yeah. So it's very, very difficult to meet anyone who doesn't enjoy food and drink. Mm. And it is rather difficult to go on a diet that involves locking yourself in a cupboard and eating and drinking nothing. Yeah. But having said that, we were all pretty porky 
when we started. Mm. And we remained pretty porky when we finished. One of us lost three and a half stone and in fact has now lost five. Wow. Wow. I lost two and a half stone, partly inspired by the fact that my wife said if I carried on snoring, I would be banished. And have you stopped snoring as well? The awful thing is, I stopped snoring when I got below 13.10. I got right. down to 12.11 in the end. I'm now back over 13.10, and she told me last night. So snoring. Again. snoring. Oh, I mean, really? that may have been excitement about coming on the show. <laughs> um, True. But so one what's of the us secret? gained two pounds. Oh, really? What, so one person just He was on a diet for six months, right. but he was on about 15. The, the key is not to do more than one diet at a time. Right, okay. And after six months, he was two pounds heavier. So what prompted you to do this in the first place? Our oldest, so I'm in my mid-50s, one of us was in his early 60s, and one of us was in his early 70s, and our, the 70-year-old 70 70-year-old guy in this thought he was going to have to do a lot of publicity. Yeah. So he wa- he'd done a sort of promotional video, and everyone around him said, you look like a panting hippopotamus. <laughs> so he said, you know, and he was terribly offended by that. I think the fact that it was strangers saying it may have offended him. Yeah. More. So he was, go- he was trying to push a charity, so he said, guys, look, can you please help me lose some weight mm. and I several years before had done a charitable diet where I lost 28 pounds in 12 weeks and then and raised the money for charity okay. and then I put it all back on right. in six weeks well that's what they say <laughs> it's like what they call the yo-yo diet thing isn't yes. it where everybody can lose weight if they want to yes. but it's probably not that good for you one and you may just put it all back on again and also if you have the sort of life where I mean I'm a headhunter so I have to take people out to lunch I have to buy them a drink and get them just to concede that they might be just a tiny bit interested in a job yeah and that's easy to do when they've had something to drink. Right. To banish yourself from doing that, from enjoying people's company, getting them to loosen up with the drink. I mean, it's very hard to have a glass of fizzy water while someone else has a pint mm. of beer. Impossible. I mean, I think it is, maybe yeah. because I'm worth it some week. But um, the other thing is, you know, you can drink. There are diets that allow you to drink and eat, but you do have to give up certain things. Yeah. I mean, that is the tragedy. You do that. You, you, I mean, sugar is, is, is the baddie. Right. Mm. Uh-huh. Because it, it does seem to be men of a certain age, mm. I hope you don't mind me saying that, gentlemen, that do struggle with this issue. I mean, younger yeah. men seem to have got a grasp on it. Well, I think more... younger men are much more driven by their own vanity as yeah, well. Yeah, because they, of they... the whole social media thing. Yeah. But I mean, I, you know... No, but also they want to get out there and meet women and do all, you know, all the stuff that we've given up doing, Yeah, basically. we've already done that. <laughs> you know, we've done <laughs> they all don't that. Want to meet yeah, right, yeah, but they still want to meet us, but they don't actually now care that we're fat and overweight because we're rich. But that's what I like about the... <laughs> the, the, the... <laughs> This book is because it is aimed at older men and it explains it in baby steps. Well, really, it's a story. It, it, it does explain it in baby steps, some of which, you know, result in people falling over. But it <laughs> yeah. is a story. It is, I think, we had such fun, actually, and we made some progress. And we did discover towards the end that the oldest one of our lot actually had basically diabetes and, and, and he cured it by losing yes a well this a is a new thing that we're discovering yes, isn't it absolutely. that if you do um, sort of overindulge and you do find yourself having diabetes too you can reverse it yes yeah. and that well, I found him I'm, I saw him one evening and he was crying at his desk and I said what's wrong and he said he just you know sort of whispered Jesus just a memory yeah you know, rather sweet that he cares yeah. so much. But um, he it was a chocolate fiend too. And, and he bought, I saw him buying some chocolate and then he opened it and he unwrapped it. And then bit by bit, he put each bit of chocolate into the loo. Oh, God. And, wow. it. and it didn't flush away. Right. But, um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, you know, he was his, at, it, at 70 whatever, you know, he was, food was his joy. He'd been yeah. not smoking. Yeah. Right. He did like his booze too. I mean, that is the booze. Is so, the is it thing. collectively something that's easier to do as well? If you've got two of your mates doing it with you, I'm sure it's much it, better it's than like, if you're it's doing like, it on it's your like own. You two, anything is easier with someone else and more yeah. fun. 
Right. Mm, I mean, I've been trying to work. I wouldn't over exaggerate that particular line, but there we are. <laughs> I've been trying to work at home on Mondays on my own. Yeah. And, and, and I get so little done. Mm. You know, oh, I've just, just chopped that bit of rose off. There's yeah. always something else you can yeah. find to do. Whereas when you've got other people slightly competing, you know, and, and it, it was a, I thought it was a very funny story. And unlike the proper pure diet books that aren't a story, you know, it isn't pious and hectoring. Right. And, and, you know, you don't feel, let's face it, most of us are quite greedy and it's not a crime. No. To be so, so this also, there's more way. and more really, really good food to eat. I mean, I spent yes. half my life at Borough Market, you know, because it's apart from the fact that it's between where I work and where I live, <laughs> you know, I find myself stopping there more and more often. If I'm not for having a couple of pints in one of the great pubs, I'm walking through buying stuff from the fantastic places. And now that sell we can't food. smoke. We can taste well, better. Well, exactly. I mean, yeah. I've given up. I go up smoking about a year and a half ago after smoking for about 40 odd years. Immediately yeah. put on about two stone, you know, um, and I don't actually eat a lot of sugar. Um, so what's the secret? What what is it that you did to make the weight fall? Well, off? we one of us tried about ten different diets. One of us tried. I tried the carbohydrate free diet, which really works right. well, and you can hit certain amounts of alcohol. Okay, because th- th- there isn't that much carbohydrates, particularly in vodka, which is a pretty joyless drink. Um, it depends what, what you put in it, I suppose. But then you can't put lots of things in it, presumably. Can no, you? so you can't put, you can't have bellinis, or you know, you right. can't add peach juice or other right. stuff. No schnapps. But or you know, if you what, I mean, it's a prize. I did actually try giving up booze for a bit, and I got bored of being the only sober yeah. guy. Mm. Um, but one of us just did calorie counting, and though he was a little bit, dre- he dreaded sort of big parties and things, mm. and he didn't want to hurt people's peonies by saying no, thank you to the angel cake. You know, he is the one who consistently lost weight, lost weight, lost okay. weight. But I do think the carb-free thing works. Because, I mean, the thing is with calorie counting and keeping an eye on what you eat and drink the whole time, that is a lifestyle change. You, yes. can, you can carry on with that diet. Whereas if you're giving something up like carbs or sugar, that is very hard to carry on. It also, I think, changes your state of mind. I mean, yeah. I, I have three sons and they would, I'd sort of solemnly fry myself sort of two pieces of bacon and an yeah. egg and they'd reach to take a piece of bacon and I'd leave on top of them and almost stab them to death. Yeah, Because yeah. you get this terrible hanger thing where you're just so angry about lack of you know because mm. you're starving but losing weight and keeping it off are two totally different things. yes mm. yeah Sadly. and is there an exercise aspect to any of this no in fact i went i'm i we we are all now doing exercise i've had tennis lessons i've been swimming i've been to the gym and i'm hoping i'm going the guys are going to cooperate with me in, in, mm. in doing the next book on the exercise but when i went to the gym uh the gorgeous woman who greeted me there said We've got uh, we've got a job on our hands, George. And she also <laughs> said, exercise does not make you lose weight; yeah. it keeps it off. Right. And, and it she is a whisk weight, by the way, because your muscle weighs more than fat. Well, that's what I'm telling my wife. Mm. Mm. She's not believing you, though, is she? I know. She's so not is that quite? I don't think so. Do you do quite strenuous workouts then? No, because I'm very lazy. I'm, I'm frightened of the sort of undignified aspect yeah. to it. I mean, it's a strange whole culture, the the the, the gym thing, the sort of. There's definitely some people on the pool. I'm not saying they're trying to pull me, but right. there are definitely people on the pool. There are definitely people who just, you know, p- pleased to be away at home, sort yes. of snoozing on the bike. Right. Um, and there's some competitive people And as I've well. been told off for having odd socks and a sort of scruffy... Really? Uh, I've been told off for having a, a scruffy car in the car park. See, so my problem is doing things in a group. I have a great sort of, um, an, sort of anathema to me to do anything with anybody else. Well, especially something that might... You see, the, the diet with a couple of mates... That I could probably fun. do. But but being watched, failing to lift yeah, eight pounds. But going yeah. into yeah. a gym with loads and loads of other people is not for me, really. Well, the swimming pool thing I found quite embarrassing. So, yeah. diet, you know, waddling up to the swimming pool, 
there are 82 year old women zooming up and down like sharks yeah you know and i and i kept sort of sinking and when i wore goggles the detritus in the pool is so horrifying yeah like, you, know, you have to take them you off. just can't do it yeah. um but yeah i reserve my swimming only for the summer when we get a villa somewhere and it's got a swimming pool and i swim up and down happily and, and convince whether, myself whether that, that i'm getting any fitter. good I don't know. i'm sure it doesn't particularly since i've spent the previous night drinking about three bottles of red wine yes you know what are you gonna do i'm sure it's good for the mood Though, it makes so. me very relaxed. Yeah, yes. I do enjoy it. No, well, exercise is good for you. It endorses, you know, endorphins, happy yeah, yeah. hormones. So you, 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 and then, and then you go out and have a pint of beer afterwards. Yeah, which is or, the a problem. Of, or a bottle of rosé, or yeah. a bottle of rosé yeah. or something. Well, it's a fascinating um, idea as well because it's a sort of slight, slightly off the side diet book, isn't it? It's not. Well, it's something a, it's, that's... it's rather the the name Three Men on a Diet. It's sort of slightly supposed to work at Three Men in a Boat. Yeah. In that, I was very lucky because my two fellow dartists suddenly refused to be named mm. having agreed to be named all along which allowed me to sort of tighten it up a bit yes okay. and 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 make mm -hmm. it slightly sort of more chronological yes mm -hmm. um but it's it's meant it sort of turned into chiclet by mistake because as one of us got more and more handsome mm. he did find a lady <laughs> How funny. Well, there's better be more than one book in this, isn't there? Well, I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's a nice story. So there's the story behind it, which yeah. is fun to read. But there are also the serious tips in there yes. for losing weight and what to do. So yes. And if you, you know, well, I, one of the reasons I gave up smoking seven years ago is because my teeth started falling out. Yeah. I went to the dentist and said, mm. you know, yeah, I had all mine fixed, he, it, basically. And I didn't. See? Fantastic. Yeah. I should have. This is the new middle-aged men's greeting. You're just going <laughs> to yeah. go. Bearing uh, teeth like the, the, the health <laughs> angle. You know, all the snore. You know, I, I, I'm horrified after 28 years to be booted out of my bed. Mm. So the fact that it, all I had to do was cut out cheesecake mm. and I could stay mm. there. You know, it wasn't so onerous. Though yes. once I'd stopped snoring, you know, I started cheating again. There you are. And that awful <laughs> thing of sort of hiding food. And, and, and is your she thought wife, you meant something else. Uh, yeah. Is your wife happy that you've got a bit fitter and healthier? And well, she she snoring, she works the NHS. She used to be a nurse. She's now a health visitor, and she's really you know she's sort of I think resigned. To being married to a sort of how much? How much did you weigh before you started? I weighed fifteen and a half stone when I started, and I weighed at twelve, eleven when I finished. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, that that is good. good. Yeah. I think many people would be and very I, grateful for that. Yeah, and I think that the, the serious, obviously, the diabetes type two element. I mean, yes. that is, you know, you can reverse that as we were saying you can. earlier on, and it's so, not something you want to get either. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, but there is something. I mean, I, this book sort of ended up being about friendship and everything else, but. Though there's something a bit sad about people solemnly sort of trying to lose weight and then failing. Yes. You know, so our friend, who's so feisty and cool, he didn't mind that he didn't actually lose any weight. What diet was he trying? He tried everything from banting right. to farter to two for five, five for two, to even consider Weight Watchers, even though he hates the idea of everyone sneering at him. Mm. Um, but you know you can't do two diet once so he would get, he would get he would he would say i'm only having protein and i'm only having uh sort of uh, sugar right do you have both i mean one of his salads was walnut crisps mayonnaise and an asparagus tip. <laughs> <laughs> and we said what are you doing he said it's a salad it's okay yeah, yeah right yeah. absolutely right yeah. listen uh, george great to see you thank you for coming thank in yeah, having george coltold is called three men on diet a very english approach to losing weight it's little brown uh, you can get it from and of course amazon i dare say yes um and every other bookshop that has any brains that cares that cares <laughs> fantastic thank stuff you george, thanks me. very much indeed Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. 
Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.